1 John chapter 1 verse 5 this is the message we have heard Father from God, him as we come and proclaim to you, to you Bible, that God is light and in him and there is no darkness at all if we say we have fellowship have with him while we walk in darkness we lie and do not practice the truth but Please if we walk seat. in the light as he's in the light we have fellowship with one another and, uh, let and me the tell blood you of Jesus is three people that I talk with from who all our were from, really wondering from all whether sin. God could possibly forgive if them. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is home, not in us. Came here to if we Newcastle confess our sins, study, he's faithful weekend, and just to forgive uh, us our sins drunk, and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar. His word is not in us. My little children, the second I am writing these things who led the so Christian that you may not sin. Me at but if anyone but does sin, as we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. For several he years. is the propitiation and when for he our finally sins, came to his senses, and not for ours only, me, but also for the sins of the whole I have world. Away and by this from Jesus. we know that we have come and to know him the third if we keep his commandments. Whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments, is a liar. And the truth is not in him. What does the but gospel say to his word, anyone wondering in him whether truly, God can the love possibly of God is forgive perfected. them and give them By this, a fresh we may know that we are in him. Today, which Whoever matters says not he abides just in him people facing or to sins walk like those in the same way in which I've he mentioned. walked. It matters for all of us facing what I would call our normal sinfulness, the, the ongoing sinfulness that is part of our Christian lives this side of heaven. And it's our topic today because in the next few weeks we are going to look at some of the beliefs that an Anglican church like this stands for. Um, the Anglican church has a list of crucial beliefs that are taken from the Bible um, that they are supposed to stand for and teach. They're called the 39 Articles of Faith. And today we're going to jump in at this one up on the screens. It's uh, Article 16. And uh, just like a film classification will tell you, you know, contains strong language, I need to warn you that the articles contain ye olde language um, because they were written 450 years ago when the Anglican Church was born. But hang on in there and things will become clear, I hope. So here's how Article 16 behind me begins. It's about sin after baptism, in other words, sin in a Christian's life. And it says this, not every deadly, in other words, serious sin, willingly committed after baptism is sin against the Holy Spirit and unpardonable. Wherefore, the grant of repentance is not to be denied to such as fall into sin after baptism. At which point, let me say that repentance, in case you're unfamiliar with that, means turning to God for his forgiveness and for his enabling of a fresh start. Because the point of forgiveness is not just to be forgiven, it's to be enabled to have a fresh start, living in relationship with God as we should be. And so Article 16 says, the grant, in other words, opportunity of repentance, is not to be denied to any who fall into sin. So if anyone asks, can there really be forgiveness and a fresh start for me? The gospel says yes. Because Article 16 goes on like this. After we've received the Holy Spirit, we may depart from grace given and fall into sin. In other words, we still can and still do sin. And by the grace of God, we may arise again 
and amend our lives, which is the point of forgiveness, not just to be forgiven, but to, uh, to mend that relationship with God. And therefore, they are to be condemned who say they can no more sin as long as they live here. In other words, people who say, I'm perfect. I don't sin anymore. They're in the wrong. Or it ends, deny the place of forgiveness to such as truly do repent. Now, that is ye olde, I realize, but you'll have got the gist. But I guess you might also have wondered, why does it go on about sin after baptism as if someone might have been saying, you know, Christians don't sin after baptism. And the answer is that in the history of the church, some people have more or less said that. For example, there was a group called the Donatists. And if you're now thinking of Krispy Kreme or Greg's, depending on your budget, um, can I say the Donatists were people who followed the teaching of a bishop called Donatus. And... Uh, it was a very good name for him because actually his understanding of the Bible did have a big hole in the middle when it came to sin. Because Donatus lived when there had been dreadful persecution of Christians and sadly some of them had denied their faith under that persecution. And then came to their senses, came back to church, said that they had repented and turned to the Lord. And uh, Donatus was pretty hard and he said, look, baptism washes away your sinfulness. So after baptism, you shouldn't be sinning, certainly seriously, like you have. And if you do sin seriously, uh, I'm afraid you lose your forgiveness standing with God and there is no second chance. That was Donatus's hard line and it was wrong. And Article 16 was written to guard against that wrong idea. So where does the Bible say what Article 16 says? Let's turn in the Bibles, uh, if you would, to page 1021. That'll get you back to the, uh, the New Testament reading we had earlier. Page 1021, 1 John chapter 1. And I just want to take us through five or six verses of 1 John chapter 1, beginning at verse 5. Just two lessons from this this morning. And uh, the first thing John tells us is that you can tell a real Christian by the direction of their lives. So look down to uh, 1 John chapter 1 verse 5, which says, This is the message we have heard from him, that's the Lord Jesus, and proclaim to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. So up on the screen behind me is a picture of that. The crown there stands for God because he's our rightful ruler. And just like looking into the sun, to, to look into God is to look, is to look into pure, white, light, sinless perfection. So read on verse 6. It begins, if we say we have fellowship with God. And fellowship with God simply means a relationship with God where we are treating him properly. Where we're saying to him... Um, you are king, uh, and I will do your will. That's, that's the way we should be treating God. So there's a picture of that behind me, and that's really a picture of repentance. It is a life turned to God, going his way. But verse 6 again says this, if we say we have fellowship with God, if we say that's the picture, while we walk in darkness, 
We lie and we don't practice the truth. So light stands for God's sinlessness. Dark stands for our sinfulness. So verse 6 is saying, if we say we're in relationship with God, but we walk in sin, then we are kidding ourselves. Uh, Now you should be thinking, uh, but I do still sin. So is this saying that I'm not really a Christian? And the answer is absolutely not. It doesn't mean that. Because walking in sin means that uh, living your own way, uh, turning away from God, paying him no attention, is your habitual direction of life. It's like a long-distance walk, like the Hadrian's Wall walk. So that is not talking about the sins which this person in the picture behind me will inevitably fall into while they are trying to go God's way. Instead, look at this next picture. Walking in sin describes the person who's crossed God completely out of their thinking and who is living just as they please. And that is their habitual direction of life. So just think of that student I mentioned who got drunk and ended up in bed with that girl. And he said to me, amongst other things, "Um, I think this must mean I am not a real Christian after all. And I said to him, look, the truth about you is not seen in a single fall. The truth about you is seen in your direction of life. And I said to him, I've watched you for a year and I'm convinced that you are a Christian and that this fall is completely out of step with the direction of your life. By contrast, I can think of another guy who was habitually uh, and unworriedly sleeping with his girlfriend. And when I challenged him with verses like this, he, says, look, he said to me, look, I think God is fine with this. So I said, well, in that case, this bit of the Bible is warning you that you may not really be a Christian yet. You may still be walking in darkness. So let's read on to verse 7 to see what is the opposite of walking in darkness. And it says this, but if we walk in the light as God is in the light... We have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. So we've already seen what walking in the light is. It's this picture up on the screens behind me. It is someone saying to God, you're king, I'm going to live your way. And that is their direction, that is their aim, that is, that is what they want in their heart of hearts. But do they always do it? Do you always do it? No, of course you don't, nor do I. Because look at the end of verse 7 again. It says, if we walk in the light as God is in the light, end of the the verse, the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us. And you can translate that, goes on cleansing us from all sin. Which makes it crystal clear that God knows, in fact, God expects that Christians will continue to sin every day of their Christian lives, even though they now want and aim to go his way. And he knows Christians will still sometimes sin in serious ways, with serious consequences. But please notice that word all. It says the blood of Jesus, his son, in other words, the death of Jesus to pay for our forgiveness, goes on cleansing from all sin. So please don't make whatever it is on your conscience this morning an exception to that. We need to trust that all means all. So look at the screens again. Here is someone before they turn to God walking in darkness. 
But then they hear the gospel. They hear that Jesus died on the cross so that they can be forgiven back into relationship with God. And so they do turn or repent, to use that jargon word. And remember, repentance means turning to God for his forgiveness and for his enabling of a fresh start. And keep looking at the screens. Not only are that person's past sins forgiven or covered by the blood of Jesus, as the Bible puts it, but their sins up to the present moment are forgiven, and that will continue to be true tomorrow and next week and next year and in 10 years' time and all the way to the end of their lives to the moment when they are finally welcomed into heaven. Because on the cross in Jesus, God anticipated all the sins that you and I will ever commit and did everything necessary for them to be forgiven. I was once uh, waiting uh, at Jesmond uh, down in the, uh, the metro station. There was absolutely no one else there. And this cleaning lady had just done the entire platform, and it was gleaming. And I was standing there, passing the time of day with her, when this guy with incredibly muddy shoes came walking along her platform. And as he went past us, she rolled her eyes wearily at me, so I rolled mine in solidarity. And um, then she set off after him, you know, mopped to the floor, a few feet behind him, him muddying, her mopping, him muddying, her m all the way to the end. And when uh, he got to the end, he turned around, suddenly realized what had happened. And um, she gave him one of those really hard stares, like Paddington the bear gives people in the stories, uh, and then left. And apart from the hard stare, that is a picture of verse 7. The blood of Jesus goes on cleansing us from all sin. We mess up daily by sinning. He mops up daily by forgiving. So the first thing John says here is you can tell a real Christian by the direction of their life. Not that they are sinless, but they are sincerely aiming to go God's way. And the other thing he says is this. You can also tell a, re a real Christian by their reaction to having sinned, which they do. Look on to verse 8. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. So verse 8 shows that some people were saying, look, we have no sin to confess. In fact, verse 10, uh, since we turned to God, we haven't sinned. And you might be sitting there thinking, you know, how could anyone be so out of touch with themselves as to say something like that? But the answer is, in the history of the church, people have. For example, those Donatists I mentioned. And groups like theirs, which really encourage holy living, often end up by going wrong in saying, you can actually be perfect this side of heaven, which you can't. So people who are trying really hard to be holy can fall into this mistake of denying their sin. But there are two other ways to end up saying we haven't sinned. One way is to rationalize sin. So that guy I mentioned who was habitually, unworriedly sleeping with his girlfriend, he said to me, look, God is fine with this. 
And uh, when I asked him why, he said, well, because we're going to get engaged soon. In other words, sin isn't sin if I'm going to propose within the next three months. That is just rationalizing sin. Going one step further, you redefine sin altogether. And as you know, that is what the liberal leadership of the Church of England is doing right now when it comes to sexuality and homosexuality. Just redefining it. It's fine. So how does a real Christian react to having sinned? We'll look at verse 9. If we confess, we don't rationalize, we don't pretend, we confess. So real Christians know they are still deeply sinful and do sin every day. And whenever a real Christian becomes conscious that they've done that, they confess. That means they own up to God and they take responsibility for it and they express sorrow for it and they ask forgiveness for it. And look down again at the wonderful assurances in verse 9. If we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. There are three assurances there. Assurance number one, if you're a Christian, is that God is faithful. That is to say, he is totally committed to you. And when he took you on, he knew that that would involve forgiving you every single day of your life for the rest of your life. And he's committed to doing that. So whenever we wonder, you know, have I sinned one too big or once too often? The answer is no. God is faithful to forgive. Assurance number two is that he's also just to forgive. I think one big reason why we doubt whether God can forgive us is that we have a sneaking feeling we're actually asking him to do something he shouldn't. We're asking him just to overlook our sin, pretend it, it doesn't matter, pretend it didn't happen. But that's not what we're asking him. We're asking him, please will you forgive my sin now on the basis that Jesus died then to pay for that forgiveness. We're asking him, would you spare me the judgment I deserve because that judgment has already fallen on Jesus. And that's why God is able to say, yes, I can forgive you perfectly justly because justice has been done on your sin 2,000 years ago on the cross. And then assurance number three is just that wonderful word, all again. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So that covers all the sins that we do confess to God and the many, many sins that we didn't even notice. So we didn't have a start chance of confessing them to God. And he throws that in as well. Now you might be thinking, yes, but doesn't the Bible talk somewhere about an unforgivable sin? So let me end uh, by turning you back in the Bibles to page 838. Could you turn to page 838 in the Bibles? And once you've found that, would you look down to verse 22? So Mark chapter 3 and uh, verse 22. <clears throat> where it says, and the scribes who came down from Jerusalem, so the religious people 
who were checking Jesus out. They were saying, he, Jesus, is possessed by Beelzebul, in other words, by Satan, the devil, and by the prince of demons, in other words, by Satan, the devil, he casts out demons. So these people saw Jesus freeing people from these evil powers, demons. That was one of the healings that he performed. But they did not want to believe in him, and so they decided to say, uh, this doesn't prove that he's from God. Um, he's not doing this by God's power. He's doing it by evil power. Okay, so it's an example of people who had made up their minds not to believe in Jesus because of all the change that that would involve. And it meant that they would basically believe anything but the truth. Look on to verse 28 for what Jesus says to that. He says, truly I say to you, all sins will be forgiven the children of man and whatever blasphemies they utter. So that's what we've seen in 1 John. But, he says, whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit never has forgiveness, but is guilty of an eternal sin. For they were saying, he has an unclean spirit. So these people were seeing the work of God's spirit through Jesus, but saying it was the work of Satan because they absolutely didn't want to believe in him, anything but the truth. And Jesus tells them, if you really mean what you're saying, you will never be forgiven. The reason being that if they really mean what they're saying, it shows that they have hardened their hearts to the point where there is nothing more that God can do to turn them around again. And they... They have seen the evidence of God's spirit at work in God's son, and they've called it the work of Satan. So what else can God do to change their minds? Now, Jesus was not saying these people had reached that point of no return, but he was warning them that they could. And the warning is that it is possible for you or me to harden our hearts against Jesus to the point where we do lose all spiritual sensitivity. So that you, uh, you actually will never acknowledge who Jesus is and, and you will never acknowledge your own sinfulness. And so you will never actually turn to him to ask for forgiveness and a fresh start. And so you will never be forgiven. Not because God is ever unforgiving but because you've passed the point of turning back to the all-forgiving God. That's the warning. That's what people call the unforgivable sin, although it would be better to call it the unforgivable person. But if you're worried that you might have committed that unforgivable sin, it's a surefire sign that you haven't. Because... If you're worried about it, it shows you do still have spiritual sensitivity. It shows you are still aware of your capacity for sin. It shows that you are nothing like the people that Jesus was warning here. And that's why up on the screen again, Article 16 says, not every deadly, in other words, serious sin, willingly, in other words, deliberately committed after baptism, is sin against the Holy Spirit and Unpardonable. In fact, you could put it far more strongly. Not in a million miles is that the case. 
Because however serious the sin, wherever there is spiritual sensitivity and sincere confession, there is always, always, always the opportunity of forgiveness and a fresh start. Just as there was for that student who fell into bed with that girl, just as there was for that friend of mine, Phil, who walked away from Jesus for a couple of years, just as there was for that Christian sister who'd had the abortion. And the very fact that all three of them were so worried about whether they could be forgiven showed that they had precisely the right attitude to God, which means that they could be. Because as one person put it, to sum this whole topic up, if you are not worried about your sin this morning, you should be. But if you are worried about your sin this morning, you needn't be. Let's pray. Well, in the light of this part of God's word, what kind of person are you? Maybe you still need to turn to Jesus for the very first time and ask him to forgive you and come into your life and help you live for him. Or maybe you've done that, but you're not living it. Uh, You're rationalizing sin. You've become complacent about sin. You need to confess that and turn back to Jesus decisively again. Or maybe you've turned to Jesus, but you struggle to believe that you've been forgiven for that sin in your past or that sin that you struggle with constantly in the present. And you need to trust that the blood of Jesus does go on cleansing from all sin. So wherever you are, take a moment now to pray about it quietly in your heart. And uh, let me draw our prayers to a close by leading us together. So Lord Jesus, we thank you that if we trust in you and in your death for us, we are forgiven for everything up to the present moment and that that is always true. Lord, help us to take that into the very depths of our hearts so that it frees us from our past and from our guilt and from our discouragement and gives us the desire to turn from all we know is sinful and to live in the light of all we know of you. In your name we pray.